audience ops does over half a million a year. It's been it's been pretty steady and and, and growing, you know, for the last couple of years. And uh, and you know, really, the thing that I'm the most proud of there is the is the team. Like they, they've all been very loyal to audience ops, and they work at audience ops like every single day but on a part-time or contract basis. And most of the team has been on the team for over two or three years. For Millo, I'm Brandon Hull, and you're listening to Freelance to Founder, a podcast where we tell the stories of freelancers who've scaled their businesses to be much bigger than themselves. It's season six, episode seven. And in this episode, you will hear how Brian Castle poured all of his wisdom and experience as a freelance web designer into one of his latest creations, audience ops. Brian has also recently launched a service called Process Kit and yet another called Sunrise KPI. Together, these projects do well over a half million in sales as you just heard. And you're going to hear in this episode how and why he looked beyond freelance work to grow these companies to where they are today. But first, a quick intro into one of the companies that make freelance the founder possible. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Brian Castle has an expert entrepreneur's eye for turning products into services and vice versa, but it wasn't always that way. He had no plans, no designs on becoming an entrepreneur at all. This despite it being in his DNA. His career plans were directed more at audio engineering. That's where he wanted to head, but sometimes doors open and you walk through unknowingly and it makes all the difference. I think back uh, on on my life and my, like my childhood, I, I was never one of those kids or young people who who like always aspired to be a business owner or, or always like saw that as a as a path for my life to be like a quote unquote entrepreneur. But when I look back on my childhood, like there are all these signs that like clearly that was the path that I was going on. I just didn't really realize it. I mean, both of my grandfathers were business owners, entrepreneurs. Uh, one of them founded and ran Castle Supermarket in Margate, New Jersey. And then my other grandfather uh, was an was an architect, and he ran a liquor store, and, and you know did did some real estate stuff. And so you know, that, I think that it was in the blood since the, since the very beginning. And my father is, is an attorney, but like self employed, so you know there, there's that as well. Meanwhile, Brian was into music. Now, this is the late 90s, early 2000s that we're talking about. And Brian fiddled with HTML a little bit, and he was in a band with some friends during college while he was studying audio engineering. That band wanted a website, and he was the logical designer for it. So I started like dabbling with very basic HTML at the time. And, and we're talking about, like, I'm going to date myself here. We're talking about like GeoCities. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> So I was into that a little bit. And then in, in college, I played music in a band and we needed a website for the band. And I was the one who knew how to make a very basic website in Dreamweaver. <laughs> and so um, so I did that and, and totally like amateur hour when it comes to internet stuff. But then, so after college, I was, I was still sort of pursuing um, music 
again, I was trying to get into like composing music for TV and film and stuff. And I, and I did a bit of that, but I started looking around to, because I, I, I was basically interning at some uh, recording studios in New York City. And if, you, if you've ever tried to do that, you're talking about full-time hours for $0 an hour. Literally. And, and I mean, there were some of these studios where I was one of 20 or 25 interns sitting there all day long, literally making zero money, living with my parents, hoping for the day that the one paid engineer in the place has a sick day and that I can be one of the 20 people who gets to sit in his chair and then maybe I, I can turn that into a low paying job. Yeah. So if that doesn't sound attractive to you, it didn't sound attractive to Brian either. So he caught on with a web design agency that did pay its interns. He joined in that capacity, took on more and more work. And then I got hired as an, as an intern at this web design agency in New York. And apparently they actually pay their interns. So that was huge. For me. So I did that. And then a few months later, I, I became a full-time employee there, started as a front-end engineer and then sort of Um, moved up into like a project manager there. And then I was there for about three years. And I decided to go freelance because I remember, see, this is another one of those things where it was like, I never even considered being a freelancer. Like I didn't even know that that was a thing. I was working at this web agency. And then I noticed that the agency that I worked at hired freelancers from time to time. Like I was one of the full-time people, but then occasionally like they would go to these freelancers to come in for like one day a week, two days a week, or, or just a couple hours in a day to, to hammer out on, on some projects. And then I would see that those guys and, and girls would like go off and do other stuff. Like they play in bands or they go work at other agencies or they got their own projects. I was like, that's interesting because I kind of have the same skills that they have, but I'm sitting here at this desk every day. <laughs> um, so that was sort of like the light bulb moment that started getting me to start Googling how to become a freelancer. And I stumbled on things like freelanceswitch.com, which was an old blog all about freelancing. Brian went further than just Googling it and checking out one or two sites. He dove in. This was 2008 at this point, shortly before the huge economic downturn. And he felt like all signs pointed towards him breaking out on his own officially. So I was was in my early mid-20s, single, renting, didn't, wasn't married, wasn't, didn't have kids. You know, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to go freelance, now's probably a good time to do that. It doesn't seem that risky to me. Uh, and, and actually looking back on that time, I, I, I feel actually very lucky that I decided to go freelance at that moment. It, it, it was January 20, 2008 because later that year was the economic crash. And I think had I been employed at that time, I probably would have held on to that job. So he quit that job and started his own thing. He'd saved up some money and just like about every other freelance web designer we've spoken to on the show, he took anyone and everyone on as clients early on. And it wore on him and the business just like everyone else that's been on this show. I remember the first year was hard because I left my job and I, and I had $10,000 in the bank as like my savings. I, w- I wasn't get- getting paid much in the in the full time job. It's not like I was leaving some big cushy job, you know. I remember that, and then uh, about ten or eleven months into freelancing, like that ten thousand was basically gone, <laughs> and uh, you know I just burned through it. I was I was charging like very very low rates for projects. I had pretty bad cl- like some good first clients, but some clients that that you know we all learn like those are clients from hell. You don't want to hang on to them. They suck up too much of your time and energy and all that. So, um, you know, I learned, I learned all those things during that first year. And then, um, and then, you know, I started cha- making some few in- intentional changes about 
whether it was raising my rates or taking on certain types of projects. And then by that second year was when uh, I got a more consistent income. And I think I made, I, I think it was that second year, like around 2009, that I made more than what I had made in my, my full-time job. And this was his routine for the next couple of years. He'd eclipse his earnings from the last full-time job he had, but was still doing traditional project work for clients. The Brian Castle today wasn't the same as the Brian Castle in 2010. But then things pivoted. Probably by around 2011 or so. 2011, 2012 is when I started to really make what I felt like was, was really good money that I hadn't seen before uh, at, at that time. Again, I'm in my, my 20s, so I started like um, inching up to, to close to six figures as a freelance web designer. Uh, that, that was also around the time that I started to scale up. Like before, I was dabbling in some products and we can get into that, but like mainly from the period of 2009 to 2011, 2012, I started to team up with other freelancers and I would form these like, uh, I don't want to call it a full agency, but but I had a group of, of around five to ten people that I always came back to, and, I, and for, for a project I would put myself plus one or two other people together, um, and that allowed me to take on more projects simultaneously and also charge more for for the projects, and I had more more of a budget to work with to to work with really good people, and that that was the first sort of um, experience like delegating and starting to scale out beyond myself. When we come back from this first break, we charge forward out of this pivot and this aha moment for Brian and take a look at what he did in learning to work with a group of dedicated experts with specific ninja-like skills. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to Hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code freelance to save $400 hydro.com promo code freelance or just click the link in our show description have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone sometimes you need a full-fledged team other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at whatever your reason for hiring we recommend you take a look at linkedin jobs LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, 
that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. The, the running theme, I think, with me in these early years was that, I guess still, is that I didn't know that these things were even options until I stumbled into them, right? So, like, I didn't even know that freelancing was a thing until I saw it, and then I became a freelancer. And then I, I literally thought I was just going to do freelance client work forever. Like, I thought that was it, because I was working with WordPress at the time, and so I I stumbled into Woo Themes. I, I, I found um, 80 Paynar's blog and, and his videos and what he and his partners were doing with, with Woo Themes. This was 2009, 2010, when WordPress themes was, that was probably like the hottest time for that market, I think. If, if you weren't in this industry then, I mean, that was a time where there was like a handful, maybe like five to 10 of these WordPress theme shops that were pretty early. Um, and. And what I noticed was like, hey, they are designing WordPress themes and they're selling them for $50 a pop. It's a digital download. And I design WordPress themes for my clients. I definitely know how to make a decent WordPress theme. Again, it's one of those things where I'm like, hey, those guys over there have the same skills that I have, but I'm working with these clients and I'm getting kind of stressed out with it. And He had a vision for selling pre-built WordPress themes and started a company named Theme Jam to sell them. And the whole idea of, of selling a digital product was, was completely new to me. So I remember one night when I found 80s blog, I like consumed every single article and video that, that he put out over, over the last couple of, couple of weeks or months there. And, and then I just got to work on building this thing called Theme Jam. I didn't, I didn't know anything about like customer research or like... MVPs or anything like that. I, I just I just started working on it, um, and so that was going to be my my WordPress themes shop. And so I designed the shop myself. I I designed a couple of themes, and um, and that took me about six months <laughs> to, to put all that together. And then I like made it live. I I think I just tweeted it a bit, and I got a, a few first sales in the first day, and that was like holy, like I can't believe it, like the, the like selling. That was definitely my first taste of selling a digital product that wasn't my time or you know selling services. That, that was huge. All right, now this may not seem like much today, but keep in mind, this was 2008 or so. A lot has changed in the years since. So it was an eye-opening experience for Brian back then. It was cool because I, I just remember thinking like, this is the first project that I can work on for myself that, that isn't a client asking for something. And I didn't like a lot of, you know, there's a lot of freelancers who, who look at like how much time they're investing in a project. And they're like, well, what, what does my hourly rate equate to that? And if you, if I, if I break it down by the amount of hours that I put into theme jam and the amount of money that I made per hour on that, I mean, we're talking like a fraction of a cent per hour, <laughs> like it's nothing. Right. But it's one of the most valuable things that I've done in my career, hands down you're not going to learn this stuff unless you just try it and, and invest your own time it, expecting to lose that time, but it's, it's worth it. And, and I've repeated that on so many other projects where it's like, maybe this will come become nothing. Maybe it won't make any money, but I'm going to learn. The other theme that I come back to in a lot of different things is like, I know that I'm not going to get it right on the first time out. 
I know that going in. So the sooner I can get through that first attempt, the sooner I can get to the second attempt. And that's sort of something that I try to you know, keep doing with everything. That second attempt was right around the corner. Brian sold Theme Jam in 2015. That's the good news. He didn't make a ton of money from it, though. That's the bad news, I suppose. But that wasn't really his aim. He already had that second attempt he just mentioned in mind. Restaurant engine. Here's the situation. Imagine you're a restaurateur who has zero web skills. You're not even sitting at a computer very often at all. You're out in front of the restaurant taking care of staff, customers, but you still need a website. And even just four or five years ago, many restaurants didn't have them. They were still relying on their Facebook pages or Yelp for visibility. Again, I I had sort of identified as a freelancer up until this time, but I was like, well, if I'm going to build a SaaS, like what could I build? The most logical thing in my mind was was a hosted WordPress website service. Like I already knew everything about WordPress. I sort of knew a thing or two about WordPress multi-site. I could build a network of websites for clients. But my experience with Theme Jam was that like, well, every client is going to need different options. And that's just going to be very difficult to put on the same network and, and scale and market. So how can I make it so that every website that clients buy are basically the same? They've got the same set of features. They use the same set of templates. How can I make it the same? Well, the answer to that is you focus on a niche industry. Um, And so I made a list of, I could do restaurants, hotels, lawyers, car dealerships, doctors, like all these different niche industries that need websites. And I just kind of randomly picked from the list restaurants and I I built um, this business called Restaurant Engine. And my worlds are colliding here just a little bit personally. What you probably don't know about me, your host is that years ago, I ran a massive content site called Next Restaurants that I sold in 2014. I was well aware back then of Restaurant Engine because I kept running into the name as I was researching article ideas and what sites were ranking for the content ideas I had in mind. Brian and I didn't know each other, but I was sure aware of him back then. One of the ways that that we marketed Restaurant Engine was through content marketing. Uh, I had hired writers. I had I had put a team in place to come up with topics and do social media and weekly email newsletters. All of this stuff was running every week without me even touching it. And it resulted in us being on the front page of Google. And I spent from 2012 to 2015 uh, really growing that out as sort of like a SaaS. I, I initially wanted to make this a website service that customers would just come to the website and sign up and and click a button and they would and the thing would automatically generate their new website it would give them some options for them to log in and change the colors and whatnot um, and then they'd be paying every month for it for for it to run their website it started that way but what i learned was that was a, a difficult hurdle even though i i customized the dashboard and made it really easy for people they still just wanted it done especially restaurant owners they're not technical they're busy they don't they don't want to spend time doing it so I started offering, well, hey, if I just set up the website for you for free, will you come use the service? And they did. And then I started charging for that initial setup service, which was like 99 bucks to, to set it up. And then they're paying like $49 a month or something like that. And, and, and then I made the, ser- the setup service required. So every customer had to get it done by us. And then I started hiring customer support people on the team. And it became this sort of productized service built on top of the software. And all of those customization options that I had built in from the start 
that just made it really easy for my team to use our slick and fast WordPress site builder to you know, fire up their, their website and get it launched in a, in a day or two. His content marketing and other marketing efforts generated a torrent of restaurant customers who wanted nothing to do with designing their own websites, especially ones that could offer some form of ordering or customization on those sites. So a productized service is a, um, uh, it's a very focused service that you're solving one problem um, for one ideal customer. And uh, primarily you're solving that through, done, through a done for you service. So whether it's you or, or your team, you're executing this service for clients in a very predictable way, both in terms of what you're doing like the, the tasks that you're doing to, to make that solution for clients, what you're charging. So it's, a very, it's just a price tag, whether it's a one-time fee or, or a recurring subscription fee, it's, it's predictable. You're not billing by the hour. You know, you're not billing per, a different price per project. You really can skip past all the custom proposals and the negotiation over a project and estimating hours and all that kind of stuff that I used to hate doing as a freelance web designer. If you are this type of person or you're running this type of business and you have this problem, I've put together the best possible solution for that problem. Here's what, what we do to solve that problem. We've done it for hundreds of other customers. We can do it for you. This is the cost. This is how much time it takes. We do it more or less the same way every time and it's very predictable. And that's, that's how I think of a, of a productized service. And, uh, and, and that's the business that I really learned how to, how to do marketing and content marketing, how to do sales, how to do customer, scale up customer support, you know, um, all those things. The parallels with Brian's original love, audio engineering and music are easy to see if you try. When you're in a band, you can't just focus on jamming on your instrument or your voice. You have to think about how the individual parts all work together. And when you're producing that music, you have to follow a process to arrive at a finished product. There's creativity involved for sure, but you've got to have a system that you follow to do your best work. It's, it's easy to, to do as a business. It's a lot easier to build. Like You don't need to build a lot of custom software. You can literally launch it to paying customers in like a week um, because it's a service. So it's easy to sell but it's also easy to buy. Like if you're a customer, if you're a client, most clients don't like hiring freelancers, even though they do very often, but it's, it's a frustrating process for them. Whereas if it's a product as service, it's like, oh, they, this thing seems to be made for me. I see the price. I'm just going to buy it like, just like it's a product off of Amazon. I really learned that with Restaurant Engine. And then in, in my next business, my current one, Audience Ops, is where um, I really kind of scaled out with that. So I sold the Restaurant Engine business in 2015 also. Um, that was like my first, for me at the time, it was a very big exit. That was pretty exciting. It was also um, just a, a huge learning experience to go through that process of, you know, selling a business. And, and that was also the first time that I built, that I had built something that, that could ultimately run without me and I could hand over the reins to a new owner. And that's, that's why I'm so big on like systems and processes and hiring a team to, to, to fill very specific roles in, in your system and all that. At this point in Brian's storyline, it's 2015. He's built and sold two businesses. They use the term serial entrepreneur for such people. And he's even had the coveted word exit attached to both of his startups, which is rare. Now, these weren't multi-million dollar businesses, but that's not even important. 
He'd learned how to build products that people might buy, then productize services that very specific people with very specific situations and problems would buy. He'd built content marketing blueprints. He'd done search engine work to make sure his companies were discovered. He built a system. I decided to launch uh, what's called Audience Ops as a done-for-you blog content service. Unlike software, which takes months or like a year to build before you, you can even get paying customers, this I was able to launch to the first paying customers in under 30 days. You know, like I, I sort of put together the pitch, what's included, here's the price. I sent it to just a handful of my friends and contacts in, in the industry, like other business owners, and a few of them or people that they referred to became the first paying customers. The thing, as I advise about productized services, like you don't need to um, uh, figure out all the details, all the processes from day one. You really just need to figure out the value proposition, get paying customers. And then as you start serving those first customers, as you go, you can start to map out the processes and the systems and, and put the people in place. He launched a new productized service to help other founders follow the blueprint he created for Restaurant Engine, but outsourced to Brian's team. When we come back from our final break, a quick one, you'll hear how little time Brian is able to spend on audience ops while it continues to grow rapidly. Stick around. Audience ops does over half a million a year. It's been it's been pretty steady and and, and growing, you know, for the last couple of years. And uh, and you know, really, the thing that I'm the most proud of there is the is the team. Like they've all been very loyal to audience ops and they work at audience ops like every single day but on a part-time or contract basis and most of the team has been on the team for over two or three years okay so here's how audience ops works the premise is that founders of new companies shouldn't blog they should stay focused on running and growing the company and leave the content marketing to experts in that area with really direct publicly visible pricing, a company can sign up for a monthly plan with Audience Ops starting at $850 per month, but up to $1,750 per month. After onboarding and the initial research process and all of that, they get a predetermined number of blog posts or articles, including copy editing, featured images, upgrades to turn your blog posts into lead generators, social posts, email newsletters, and more. If it sounds like a lot of moving parts, it is. But his systems have made it possible for him to hand off a lot of the blueprints tasks to skilled team members that are focused on a specific part of the process. Yeah, I am still, I still fully own Audience Ops um, and I do run it. But uh, today we're about four years into running Audience Ops. I actually only spend about two hours a week. Um, I've got a team of about 25 people who more or less run that business day to day. I do a few things, like I, I still do some sales calls and I'll and a few questions here and there get escalated to me from the team. But for the most part, all the processes like onboarding new clients and week to week production and stuff, that's handled by the team. And so yeah, it's just it's just running really, really smoothly. Uh, and uh, I mean it took four years to get to this point. Like it, it's only been really like a year or two where I'm fully out of the process. But uh, yeah. Another subtle thing that Brian did with the audience ops marketing approach was to allow people to choose to either do a demo call with one of his team to dive a little deeper into the process or just instantly sign up if they feel like they're a perfect fit. 
But now that Audience Ops is its own productized service, yet again for Brian, what's he have his sights set on now? The way that I get like a return on on this investment in building something like Audience Ops is is all this free time, right? I literally have like forty hours, thirty eight to forty hours a week to throw at whatever I want, and so um, the idea is to start new products, right? So right now I'm working on a SaaS product called uh, Process Kit. It's, it's a software product um, for creating processes for your team and also managing those repeatable projects. Last year in 2018, with all this free time, I started to um, learn web development. I, I always had these ideas for software that I could design and I can make templates for, but I can't make it a functional app without like hiring developers. Um, so now I sort of have learned, it took about a year to get to the point where I could I could take an idea and actually build it as a, a full stack product. I'm not. I'm still not very good as a as a full stack developer, but um, but I can do it. I'm, I'm a little bit slow, but I, but I can do it. And so so that's sort of how I'm going with with Process Kit right now. Think of Process Kit as an online platform where you can document your team's multiple steps for completing projects by different people. The entire team can see where a process stands at any given time, what's been done and by whom, and what's left but in a clean and simple interface, not a complicated project manager. But he's not done there. Learning how to build a complete web project, not just the front-end design, has Brian thirsty to keep building new things. The ideas keep coming for him. Uh, the other project that, I, that I've been working on, similar vein, is, is, a, is a little software app called Sunrise KPI. Um, this is a smaller project, and it was intended to be sort of a learning project with my, you know, getting my, my code skills up to speed. And I, and I learned a lot, but it was also a little pro- product that I wanted to use for myself, which basically you can connect all of your different tool, all of your metrics. So, and, and, you, and you can get a daily report with all of your key metrics. So you can connect to your Google analytics, you can connect your Stripe account, you know, your, your Twitter account, your email marketing tools. Um, you can use Zapier and Google spreadsheets to get whatever you want in there. And so, um, Every day I get an email from Sunrise that says, here are all of your numbers. Here's how they changed from, from yesterday. And, uh, and that's, that's the whole product right there. So I, I built that um, near the end of 2018 and just launched it about a month ago. I've tried Sunrise KPI and it's this minimalist yet useful service for staying on top of whatever key metrics you want to see each day, whether in a dashboard or a convenient daily email update. There's a free version where you can focus on one metric or a premium one where you can connect unlimited services. Lastly, if you haven't really jumped on the bullet train known as productized services, it's not too late. This isn't a fad. It's a real approach to moving a freelance business into a more stable income with digital products, or an agency for that matter to move into digital products. Brian has been running a course on productized services for years. Launching in March 2019, will be his third edition of it. March 2019 is going to be the next opening for the productized enrollment. So that's a course and a, and a private community that I've been running since the end of 2014, 2015. I completely redid it last year, updated it with a little bit more advanced lesson material. It's, it's all video lessons uh, based around my experience um, and others experience building productized services. So starting from like um, finding that value proposition, identifying a, an ideal customer and who, who will not be your customers, who will be your customers and how to, how to present an idea to them, uh, a big section on how to scale and build systems and processes and start to hire your first people and, 
and how to remove yourself from uh, the business methodically step by step. Um, and then a, a bit about marketing and how to grow and, and how to re even remove yourself from the sales process as well. Uh, so that's been doing really well. And we've got a, a great private community, a, a Slack community and a forum. And uh, I do a bit of coaching as well through, through product ties, but, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of been a fun, um, interest of mine is to teach and, and run that community these last few years. And that's the story of Brian Castle, founder of numerous products, projects, and companies. You can connect with him at casjam.com. That's C-A-S-J-A-M to learn more about everything he's worked on and he's working on today. Okay, stay tuned for our final episode of season six next week. The story of Shannon DeYoung, founder of the creative agency House of Who. We've also got a major exciting announcement on the future of Freelance to Founder in next week's episode. Make sure you stay tuned. And let us know, did you like this episode of the podcast? Eyes opened a bit more about possibilities? Feel more motivated to launch your thing? Let me know via Twitter at Brandon Hull or with your rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time on Freelance to Founder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.